0: This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals.
1: It's the week of November 14, 2016, and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to episode 406 of Defender Radio. I told you that there were only about a dozen spotted owls left in all of British Columbia, I'm pretty sure you'd be shocked, just like I was. And just like I did, you'd then ask, what is the government mandated to do to protect them under existing endangered species law? You'd ask this question in particular because you're a rational sane adult. And when you heard the answer to that rational question, your response might be kind of like mine was. Say what? The frightening reality is British Columbia has no species at risk or endangered species laws on the books. Species at risk legislation is what it sounds like policies that are put in place to protect any and all species whose populations are deemed scientifically to be in a precarious position within an environment. This can range from aquatic plant life to terrestrial mammals and small flowers to big birds. Remarkably, British Columbia has no provincial species at risk legislation, leaving hundreds of species, well, at risk. Right now, BC is accepting comments on a series of topics as part of their five-year plan to protect species at risk. And I feel kind of compelled to point out that this plan doesn't actually include species at risk legislation. But this unique opportunity is only available through the end of November. And getting educated is the first step to putting together compelling responses. Defender Radio was joined by Joe Foy, National Campaign Director at the Wilderness Committee, to talk about species at risk legislation in BC and how we can effectively participate in this government engagement initiative. I think the obvious place to start when we're talking about species at risk in British Columbia is the current state of species at risk in British Columbia, because it, it's somewhat unique for a a powerhouse province compared to the rest of the country and, in fact, the rest of North America. So what is the current status of uh, vulnerable or at-risk species in British Columbia?
0: Well, uh, there's sort of a good news and bad news story. It's a fabulous place to live. We're the most biodiverse uh, state or province north of Mexico. So uh, we have everything from rainforests to deserts in in the province and from arctic tundra to amazing lowland uh, rainforest so a tremendous place to to be and experience wildlife but we're one of only two provinces in the nation that don't that doesn't have a, a standalone endangered species legislation and so we we list about 1900 species as uh, everything from, uh, uh, you know, at severe risk, such as the spotted owl or the mountain caribou, down to species that are sort of on the, on the watch list to make sure that they don't slide into trouble. So
1: I, I, I guess this is where it gets kind of confusing. So, and, and again, this is we almost have to play civics here. Uh, um, so the federal government has Endangered Species Act or has an Endangered Species Act um, does that not include the, uh, the the wildlife plants, all the different species that are at risk in British Columbia?
0: You'd think it would. Uh, and in fact uh, uh, we did our organization and many other organizations pushed uh, our federal government uh, in, in years past to get this uh, uh, federal uh, endangered species legislation in place and it's helpful. But uh, as you say with a, about your, a civics course, the way Canada is put together, control over resources such as forests or mining or hydro projects largely lie with the provinces. So the federal government is often uh, dragged kicking and screaming uh, to get in the way of the provinces uh, to protect species. So it's a, it's a very difficult thing. Uh, uh, to get the province to act, or the, or to get the federal government to act when the province won't. So that's why provincial endangered species legislation is extremely important to have.
1: No, it seems like it would be pretty obvious <laughs> to put something in place. Um, and I'm, I'm sitting looking at the uh, five-year plan for species at risk in BC. It's Protecting Vulnerable Species. Um, and it's, it's a PDF available on the government website. And the first dozen pages of this um, are talking about how important all of these species are. And again, we need to be clear that this includes everything from plant life um, to fish to to uh, invertebrate to large mammals. Um, and they're saying, what if species at risk have what they need to survive and thrive? And what if they are considered in all land and water use decisions? And what if everyone works together? So uh, I think the obvious question now becomes, why aren't we working together? Why isn't this already a thing?
0: Well, it's, you know, as human beings, I think each and every one of us want to see all the species uh, in in where we live uh, survive and thrive. But the political reality is that uh, uh, you know large corporations, uh, unions, uh, you name it, donate to political campaigns. And okay. so what we get is uh, governments that put in place uh, real barriers uh, to protecting species. For instance, in 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 British Columbia, uh, we have forestry regulations uh, that limit the uh, impact you can make on the timber supply in order to protect uh, species. And so, when you limit the impact, uh, when you limit the impact to let's say logging companies, that means any species that requires old forests, for instance, to survive, are put at great disadvantage. And uh, governments, you know, try to hide that from the public. But in fact, that's what's been going on is that uh, uh, logging companies in in that case are given the priority. And so we have a number of species that require old forests on the ropes in many parts of the province.
1: Well, and that's the, uh, is it the spotted owl in British Columbia? That's extraordinarily endangered right now. And they rely heavily on uh, forests, don't they?
0: Yeah, they need intact. So Nice big chunks of uh, old growth forests, and uh, you know, when I first uh, started uh, paying attention and work and working on this on the spotted owl issue, spotted owls only ever existed in Canada in the southwest corner of BC. But uh, back in the early nineties, uh, we most likely had over a, a, a hundred uh, spotted owls in our forests. Its uh, historic levels would have been. Uh, about thousand. Currently, we have an estimated dozen left in the forests of British Columbia. A very steep decline, and and you know it's it's a very sad situation. And unfortunately, we know enough about species to know that when we see a decline in one species we've got a bunch more coming a bunch more bad news on the way so we really do have to get our house in order
1: yeah and it's uh, it, it's one of those things where we say well it's just a frog but it's not just a frog um you know you can look at that from an x-files episode from the mid-90s uh, which i was talking about with someone the other day in fact in relation to species at risk um and how the disappearance of a frog all the local ecologists are freaking out and everyone's just trying to brush it off but it's an indication that there was something very wrong with this ecosystem. And yes, it's the X-Files, but it was probably filmed in BC, so it's relevant. Um, and uh, now I, I'm looking again uh, at this document, and it's the timeline for BC's five-year plan for species at risk. So I would think that, and this started in 2012, is that correct, I think?
0: Yeah, the the, the provincial government has for some time uh, recognized that sort of one of its... Uh, weaknesses uh, with the public is its failure uh, to be seen to act uh, to protect endangered species uh, but it's um, everything that I've seen is a little bit like uh, uh, a murder story where the murderer is trying not to be blamed for the murder yeah. uh, uh, and what, what our province needs is strong standalone endangered species legislation that allows a citizen to go to court to protect wildlife in their neighborhood. And that's not what our provincial government is offering us. They're offering us uh, everything but, uh, essentially a bunch of feel-good baffle gap Uh, that will not stop the slide towards extinction of any species in this province. Uh,
1: Yeah, and looking at this timeline of theirs, which is very colorful, um, it's well put together from a design standpoint, but I expect to see somewhere on this list that, and on this day, we expect to put in place our species at risk legislation. And it would be called species at risk legislation, and it would explain everything. And from what I'm getting from this timeline, is that they are going to recommend and potentially implement changes to existing policy and legislation to protect species at risk. And as you said, that really feels like they're saying, well, look at all the stuff we're doing, but they're not doing the one thing they really need to do, which is make standalone
0: legislation or policy. Well, that's right. I mean, right now we're down like, let's take the spotted owl, for example, we're down to a dozen birds left in the wild. The provincial government has started a captive breeding program, but it's left biologists to raise money for that program essentially through bake sales. Uh, It's it's shoestring funded. Uh, It has had very little success other than for something for the government to point to. So no funding, no ability for citizens to go to court and demand uh, better habitat protection. Uh, meanwhile, our species continue to, to slide, and there's a, there's, there's a whole lineup of them. So, you know, uh, and it's not just British Columbia. I mean, I, I get it. The whole world, every culture on, in the world is, is facing this, but some places are doing a better job, and the, and the places that are doing a better job have endangered species legisla- legislation
1: yeah now I, I I do want to address a couple of the things that come up a lot when we talk about endangered species legislation whether we're talking you know rural Georgia United States or we're talking in and around uh, downtown Toronto there is this fear from landowners and I think it is probably highly propagated by certain industry lobbyists but there is a legitimate fear that if a certain bird nests in your backyard, all of a sudden, it's not your backyard anymore. So you've just lost your property. Or if you're trying to build a road and you find out that a salamander wants to cross that road, um, all of a sudden, all of this money you've put into it is at risk. Um, You know, pun not intended. So is that something, like is is that a natural part of species at risk legislation? Or is that something that can somehow be mitigated?
0: Well, you know what? I think that uh, in in our province, and I think, I think we could see this uh, in other, uh, other places too. But in our province, I would describe it like this. Everybody loves salmon. Uh, we want there to be salmon. We want to be able to take our kids and our grandkids down to see salmon. Salmon rivers wind everywhere. Salmon rivers go where they go. And so there is a general, there's a consensus in the society that you have to do what it takes now to protect our remaining salmon rivers. Now, in the past, we put some of our salmon rivers in pipes uh, and killed them. But I think now there's a consensus that that's got to stop uh, because we'll, we'll still have roads, we'll still have houses, we'll still have factories, but we want to have salmon too. And I think we need to... Uh, uh, we can clearly see that we've reached a point and in, in certainly in, in, in many parts of the provinces where it's not a question, are we going to have roads, factories, or, or or houses? It's how can we place them so we also have these wonderful creatures that we've grown up with? Yeah. And,
1: you know, I, I am an urbanite. I do not try and hide that fact as much as I would love to live in a cabin in northern Ontario. Um, and... It is a struggle. It it is something when I worked for a newspaper and we did a lot of coverage of growth in and around Toronto, um, trying to allow for the growth we need and allow for the economic growth we need while making sure that we don't take away from the environment. And it's almost an impossibility until you decide you need to do both and impossible can't exist, and I kind of get the feeling that's the situation in British Columbia as well. Is like you you can't just stop uh, resource exploration and excavation. You can't just stop growth, but you also can't afford to risk the environment anymore. And we see this we see this from the the pipeline issue to the the mountain caribou issue. Like it, there's all of these times it keeps coming up. So how do we have that conversation without sort of losing our minds?
0: Well, I, th- I think it comes from a place of what, what people love and, uh, you know, uh, what I see in, in our neighborhoods, for instance, if you're talking about wildlife in the city, people's land is actually worth more. If the Creek that goes by your land is, is in good quality water and is full of fish and other wildlife. Your place is worth more than if it's an open, stinking sewer. Uh, there's, there's a direct financial uh, uh, benefit to a community that has a nice walking trail down their local stream and has, has wildlife. So uh, there's nothing better to revitalize uh, a, a town than to revitalize the waterfront uh, so that people can enjoy it. Uh, and I think we instinctively... Know that it's it's getting it together. Endangered species legislation helps set down the rules. It's one of the the, the planks to do that uh, that that I believe ends up in a in in let's say the forest industry being able to sell their product out, uh, around the world without it being labeled an extinction product. So it's good for business uh, if the world knows you're taking care of uh, biodiversity uh, back home in a real way. I really believe that, that endangered species legislation in today's world for all societies is a central uh, uh, plank of governance that helps industry and citizens know the rules, make their plans, and end up with better communities.
1: Yeah, and that certainly makes a, a lot of sense. And I would guess that as opposed to looking at species at risk legislation as things you can't do it should be looked at, here are the directions in which you should go. And I think maybe that's even part of the conversation that needs to happen, is it's not an anti-thing. It's simply a pro-something else. Um, but that's that's for the government to decide. And that's where we kind of find ourselves stuck right now, it seems, is this government that has chronically underfunded environmental things, and I say things because it's not even issues; it's everything uh, <laughs> across the board. Um, so there's this this five year plan that's not actually a plan um, for the the province of British Columbia. And something that's happening right now is uh, this feedback situation that's that's open until November 30 of this month, the end of the month. Um, there's four topics, and I'm really interested to hear what the wilderness committee. Thinks of this part
0: of the uh, the plan. Well, first of all, I we ha- uh, it's important, uh, I believe, that people uh, go online to the British Columbia's uh, uh, species at risk uh, online site and actually engage in the in this uh, in this process. There, they've got uh, four general topics for people to engage in, everything from funding. Uh, to protection of species on private land, uh, protection of species on on uh, public land, and the, some of the general principles, uh, and it's uh, we're going to be encouraging our uh, members to go on online and talk a little bit about what's been impeding uh, protection of endangered species. For instance, the federal legislation does not allow you to consider the needs of of industry when you're laying out a plan to prevent a species from going extinct. You, you need to look at what it takes to prevent a species from going extinct. The provincial plan actually does allow you to take in the needs of industry. And that's had a very, very bad result. And we needed to get that changed. Yeah, and that seems, again, sort of
1: like a, a, a an obvious moment of... Uh, that and when you actually you can go through and read some of the responses, and that is something that comes up frequently, um, is that you know you're saying uh, they they're saying that we need to balance uh, sociological and economic uh, issues and interests um, as well as species at risk, and the reality is you you can't. Sometimes you have to make the decision which one of these things is going to be the most important. And one of them is going to dictate the results to the other. Um, so how do we potentially phrase that in such a way that's maybe more constructively uh, uh, worded other than my, this is dumb statement?
0: Well, you know, I do find on this site, one of the most helpful things is the comments because you can see there's some pretty knowledgeable people commenting. To give you an idea of what we're faced with here in British Columbia, there's uh you, you might be out trying to protect a, a particular species, but what you run into is the one percent cap where the province has said in the forest that you're working in, whatever you do, you can only impact the timber supply by one percent. Uh, if, if you're in an area with that with that cap on, you, you get uh, biologists, um, sort of trying to do impossible things and, and you start to, they start to draw out habitat for everything from a little vole to grizzly bears in the same piece of forest. Well, it might look good on a map, but it, it doesn't work on the land. And, and that's why we're we're in, such a, we're in such a trouble. So that's why these comments are really important because you, it allows people who have seen the absurdity, of what's going on in, on the land to be able to comment and uh, at, least, at least have a conversation about why we have so many species at risk now in the province.
1: I think something that should be addressed is the number of people, and I come across this in virtually all of our advocacy work, who think that their voice, their comments won't matter, um, that the government knows what they want to do and this is just window dressing. Is that... Uh, a reality or is it important that these comments still get in regardless of what someone may think about how they're viewed?
0: It's incredibly important to take the time. I, I get it, but you know, vast areas of the province now are facing uh, cumulative impacts for many industries. And, and, and one area I would point to is the Peace River District. Uh, up in the northeast of the province many of the people that half of us live in the in the greater Vancouver area in the province but a day and a half travel north is a Peace river district where you have seismic lines for gas uh, uh, logging roads uh, hi- the the hydroelectric projects all sort of stacked on top of each other and so it's you know you've got a whole plethora of species from from caribou to, to grizzly bears to just uh, uh, almost an ecosystem, uh, you're risking an ecosystem uh, collapse with this this rapid uh, rate of change. Mercury now in the fish from the from the hydro dams, all in one location of the province. So, uh, uh, good. Uh, we need comments uh, on this site from people who live there and can give uh, explain what they're seeing. And we also need their perspective on how we can prevent, uh, uh, not just uh, prevent extinction of species, but prevent entire ecosystems from reaching this this red line condition before it actually happens.
1: Yeah, and that's something that uh, comes up in a lot of conversations and um, comments is the idea that only once a species gets to a certain level in terms of population density uh, does it get covered by some of this stuff and that's that's a very scary reality um, now the, the what I want to close with uh, from you is the resource so this is primarily focused that people in British Columbia though I imagine those from other areas are able to to comment to a degree um, but it's a lot of information there are very broad subjects so does the Wilderness Committee have resources available? So if I want to sit down and go through these 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 four uh, topics on the website and provide my feedback, but I want to have real information available, where can I go?
0: Well, come on over to the uh, Wilderness Committee website at uh, wildernesscommittee.org. Uh, my my work today is to get that. Uh, Uh, get that in place, uh, we'll be doing what we call on our website an action alert, uh, so that we'll give uh, uh, people coming to the website some basic information about how you can best plug in, uh, plug into this public comment period. To learn more about the Wilderness
1: Committee and their work, or to find some of the resources Joe was talking about, visit wildernesscommittee.org. If you'd like to get involved in the engagement initiative that the BC government is currently hosting until the end of this month, please visit thefurbears.com and follow the links on this week's Defender Radio podcast blog. That's it for this week. I want to thank Joe for spending time with us and all of you for tuning in to learn how we can give a hoot about species at risk legislation in British Columbia. Yes, I'm quite proud of that. And yes, I actually said it. Until next time, this is Michael Howey for Defender Radio reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.